All right, so it's good to see you here today. I want you to turn in your Bibles to Mark chapter 11. Well, actually, Mark chapter 10. And we're going to look at blind Bartholomews today. And uh, we're going to be in Mark chapter 10, verses 46 through 52. We're going to look at the story. And I'm going to bring you briefly just four things that I think we can learn from Bartholomews. And forgive me for mispronouncing it, but uh, the Bible was written in Quinine Greek before it was translated into English. Nobody knows the real pronunciation for any of these names, so I'm going to hang on to that myself. But uh, Greek does have its own pronunciation, and that's what we use now. We try to use the, the, uh, the newer Greek to get the words right, but I'm going to plead the fifth on this one, and uh, we're going to read about the blind man, the son of Thymus, sat by the highway side begging, verse 46, and when he had heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me, and many charged him that he should hold his peace, but he cried the more. A great deal. Thou son of David, have mercy on me. And you see there is where your Bible has just a little bit of punctuation in it. Not often you see a lot of punctuation, but there you do. Have mercy on me. And many charged him that he should hold his peace. But he cried the more, a great deal. Thou son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stood still and commanded him to be called. And they called the blind man, saying unto him, be of good comfort, rise, he calleth thee. And he, casting away his garments, rose and came to Jesus. And Jesus answered and said unto him, What wilt thou that I should do unto thee? There's your question mark. The blind man said unto him, Lord, that I might receive my sight. And Jesus said unto him, Go thy way, thy faith has made thee whole. And immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus in the way. Dear Lord, we ask that you be with us this morning and give us something we can hang on to the rest of this week. May it, may your word have its way in our lives. Help us to set aside the cares of the world for now and uh, think and praise your name with our presence and with our minds. In Jesus' name we pray and to his glory. Amen. So we see here a picture of a fellow along the road begging and in those days, the people that accompanied Jesus were everything from other beggars to the rich and affluent of the day. There was undoubtedly some priests, and I use that term priest lightly, but there was some uh, Pharisees and Sadducees along with Christ, and there was uh, the apostles, of course, and other disciples following him. You just don't know who, who he'd pick up along the way. But these were all, in one sense, following Christ. And he walks along the railroad, and you hear this calamity, you know something's coming. In those days, you know, they didn't have telegraph, they didn't have telephone, they just had telewoman. And that's how things would travel. And so they, the fellow looked up, and he could hear what was going on. He had better hearing than most. And undoubtedly, somebody said, you know, that Jesus, that Nazarite, that Nazarene guy, that, that fellow that's you know, just different, and he's, he's coming, and all the people are coming with him. And he's no doubtably heard other people talk in the community about how Jesus Christ could heal and 
how he could take and be a blessing to anybody who'd listen to him. So what does he do? He starts crying out. He starts crying out, and Jesus Christ stops. Here's this caravan of people coming down the road, possibly hundreds, maybe just a few, but possibly, more than likely, several hundred. And he's coming down the road, and he stops. You could probably hear a pin drop. Why is he stopping? Why isn't he going on to the synagogue? Why isn't he doing the, What's caught his attention in this crowd? Much like the woman that grabbed the hem of his garment, he could feel virtue leave him when the woman grabbed the hem of his garment. Another story, another beggar, if you would, another person who was grabbing a hold of Jesus. This fellow was grabbing a hold of Jesus. What happened? The crowd rebuked him, didn't they? They stopped him. They tried to silence him. They tried to put him down. Hey, don't interrupt this guy. He's got more important things to do than waste his time with a beggar like you. Jesus Christ doesn't waste his time on anybody. He spends his time on everybody. He knew why he was on this planet. He knew he came for everyone. He knew he was going to go to the cross one day for just such a man as that beggar along the road, for just such a man as the crowd that surrounded him, for just such people that even rebuked the beggar. And Jesus Christ said, I have something important to take care of. Come and follow me. And that blind man threw off his coat and makes a wonderful picture about how he could cast aside his sin, confessed his faults. Yeah, that's kind of the romantic side of this message. But in reality, he got up out of those beggar clothes because he knew he was going to be healed. His faith was going to make him whole. He knew Jesus Christ. If he put his trust in Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ was going to forgive him and love him and give him purpose in life and direction in his life and guidance in his life that he no longer had to depend on what the crowd told him. He no longer had to depend on what he heard. He no longer had to depend on situations and circumstances and sit there along the street and let the dust fall on him and ask people for money or provisions. He knew Jesus Christ was going to deal with him once Jesus focused on him. Jesus Christ, most of you in this room, Jesus Christ has focused on you, hasn't he? Most of you have a relationship with Jesus Christ right now. This man was trying to establish a relationship with Jesus Christ. He was waiting for Jesus Christ to look on him and call upon him. You as an individual now, if you've accepted Christ as your personal Savior, you need to listen for what Christ has for you to do the rest of your life. You need to get some direction from him. You, we travel by sight. We travel by sight. Well, are we supposed to travel by sight? There's a verse in my Bible that says, I'll find the address for it. It's in 2 Corinthians 5, 7. For we walk by faith, not by sight. Look it up and check it out. We're just about the opposite of that poor beggar along the road. We have our futures all planned out for us. We have our circumstances all set out for us. We don't need any guides. We don't need much assistance. We got insurance on our insurance. We've got, you know, all our ducks in a row. We got everything in order, and we're sailing on through. Except if Jesus calls on us, 
Hey there, buddy. If Jesus calls on us, we have to be able to react to that, don't we? We might not be able to see what he has for us. We might not be able to take that step forward in faith of what he has for us to do. This was the first time in my life we traveled somewhere and didn't, and were moved, especially when we moved, we did not know where we were going to go to church at when we came here to Alaska. We just didn't know. It's first time. Every time we've moved or anything like that, we made sure there was a place there. Not work, because I don't work. Uh, we went and made sure there was a church. Then we would find work around the church. That's not, travel, that's not traveling by faith, is it? When I came here, we were traveling by faith. God was going to provide a church. I couldn't believe it. Couldn't believe it. And I, I says, what are we going to do? We were halfway. We're on the, I, I want to call it the barge. It's the ferry, whatever. And my wife and I are looking at each other. I go, where are we going to go to church Sunday? We drove by a, a church that used to be a Baptist church, and it no longer was Baptist. I says, where are we going to go to church? And the Lord says, I got it for you. I've called you. I'll send you, and I will provide for you. How many times do we do that in our lives? How many times do we step out in faith for God? This man was rewarded diligently for it. He was rewarded greatly for it. He received his sight. He was blessed a thousand times a thousand. Why doesn't God bless me? Well, are you walking by faith or are you walking by sight? God wants you to do that. And there's another sideline to the situation. The crowd wasn't for him, were they? I remember my dad set me down once when I was young and say, boy, you picked a rough profession, son. You're going you're gonna to be a pastor. You're, you might as well be a politician. It's just about as bad. He says, you're dealing with people on the tips of their emotions. There's people kill over religion and politics. He says, it's a rough job. You're smart enough. Why don't you get a good job? <laughs> I also had a guy one time when I was working on his horse, he said, he says, you know, my brother got kicked in the spleen. He, he couldn't do anything any, any, at all, but now he's a pastor. I think that's cool. You're going to be a pastor too. <laughs> that's not why I got in the ministry. Started walking by faith. And as you walk by faith, you'll be surprised what God can do with you, what God can do with your family what God can do with your circumstances, what God can do with your job, what God can do with your situations in your life, no matter what the crowd's saying. I cited my father and his little bit of advice. He was not traveling by faith. He was telling me what the world thought, what the eyes see. I don't know what God has for each one of you today. Maybe it's just making amends with your neighbor. But God wants you to do something today. He's calling your name. He wants you to get right with him. He wants you to make a step for him by faith. And then see how he rewards you. Oh, but that's not the way we do things. I got to have my, my computer with me, and I got to have all this laid out for me, and I know where I'm going to go punch the clock, and I know where I'm going to go brush my teeth at night, and I know all those things. Traveling by sight. 
God might want you to take a step of faith. We see people on the ferry coming up here, a couple from, I want to say California, but I think they were from southern Oregon. They weren't our kind of people. She, she was a nice-looking lady, and he was a nice-looking man until he turned around and had this big, long ponytail hanging out the back. But he was a very nice person. I'm not judging him. I'm just telling you he wasn't my kind of guy to sit and have a conversation with. But they were coming here to Alaska by faith. There's a little difference. A lot of people we see coming to Alaska, or when you go home on the plains in August or September, man, there's all these guys. Oh, man, I I worked construction for five years up there, and it just broke me. I'm on my way home. That's because they traveled by sight all the while they were here. I bet you some of them, if you'd ask them, I I talked to a few of them. You'd ask them how many times you go to church while you were up there. Did you ever pray while you were up there? Did you ever ask God for some guidance while you were up there? Well, no, I was trying to get rich, make a living, you know. Well, I, I made a living a lot on my own, and it wasn't until I started putting God first. My poor little wife would come to me on Saturdays when I'd get home from some of my routes. I'd be gone to Michigan. I'd be gone to Minnesota. I'd be gone all over the country, Illinois, come back home on a Friday maybe a Saturday, be ready to get back out on Monday. Should we want to go to church? We want to go to church. I got lots to do. I got to pack for next week. I got to load up the truck. I got to, and she says, you know, maybe if you didn't have to do so much work, God would take care of our expenses, you know. And so I says, yeah, but I don't want to go to church because they're going to just ask me for money there anyway. But uh, that the Lord took care of. And when I started making time for him, all of a sudden my routes opened up to where I had Mondays off. I had Sunday and Monday because I gave God Sunday. We drove, most of the time we've driven 40. You asked me why. I made sure we had a church to go to before we moved. Well, we usually average driving 60 to 40 miles one way to church. This, this church here was no problem for us to drive here. I, cope, I pastored a church till they got a ch- pastor. We drove two hours one way for that church. And they got the pastor that I was under when I came here, before I came here. Because we traveled by faith not by sight. Didn't make sense. One guy said to me, he said to me one time, you know, how come, uh, he's, I'm, I'm shooing as he had these big high-stepping saddle horses. They're very expensive, very expensive to shoe. Fancy facilities, you get humble walking into their barn and they got cover, cupboards in their barn fancier than the ones I put in my wife's house. And they got tile on the floor laid by professionals rather than, you know, the tile jobs you and I do sometimes. And he says, wow, you got all this education. What are you underneath this horse for? So I handed him the bill. He says, I see now why you're underneath the horse. God takes care of you if you step out in faith. They told me you could never make a living shoeing horses. I was one of the, I'm not, I'll brag for a minute. I was one of the top five in the nation. Got trophies to prove it. Made good money. 
but I put God first. I got into racetracks where you couldn't get into the racetracks. You, you don't know the cutthroat business that is in racehorses. They got little people that feed their horses and sleep with them overnight so nobody poisons them or gives them sedatives while they're at the track that night. The guys will sleep above the stall or literally in the stall with the horse. They have their own horseshoer that comes only to that track, comes only and does their horses and gets out of there. Because the next guy, if he does the next guy's horses, he might just shave their feet a little shorter and they get a little sore, or else he might hedge and say, you know, Joe's horse is a little off there. He's not running real well. I, he's got a nice set of plates on him, but he's not running real well. And then they change all their bets. They, I've had people, I've gotten jobs at the racetrack because they knew I went to church on Sunday. They needed somebody to collect specimens from these horses after they run the race to see if there's drugs in them. First question they asked me when I stood there before the guy who owns the racetrack, is, you got any problem working on Sundays? I says, not Sunday afternoon. He says, you're hired. I asked him later why. He says, because I don't want somebody who's going to be there all day Sunday. I want somebody who goes to church on Sunday morning. Because you're collecting these specimens from these horses. It's big money changing hands. You're going to get bribed. You're going to be, you're going to be, uh, you're going to be challenged to be half honest. And believe me, I was. But back to the same story, I could go to the racetracks and shoe 15 horses. They talked me into one day 15 different stables. And they talked me into one day, they says, why, why don't you leave something here. Now I'm talking about being contrary to the crowd. The blind man, Bartholomew, was contrary to the crowd, wasn't he? He was stepping out in faith and obedience to God. Here I am at the racetrack. They're blowing the bugles. Big money's changing hands. Thousands and hundreds of dollars. Wonderful animals. Money, people, power, anything you can imagine there. And the Guy says, uh, he says, uh, I don't want to give that illustration because we're a little bit too far to one side with that. Uh, so I could do any horse there. And the Lord blessed it. And he says, why don't you take and uh, give something back to the racetrack? We got this program out. Why don't you advertise in it? I says, I don't need to advertise. I don't want to advertise. I don't. Really, I'm not really proud about being here all the time. And he says, well, come on, put an ad in. You know, it's for the benefit that people know who you are. I says, okay, Psalms 23, 12, I think it is. Some trust in chariots, some trust in horses, but safety's in the Lord. That was, I never put my, I, I, later I had them put my name on it because they got a little funny about, well, how come you put in this anonymous? Okay, put my name on the bottom of it. Business got better. Business got better. Travel by faith, not by sight. I don't know what the Lord wants you to do this week, but the devil wants you to do plenty or not to do plenty. You're going to have to make some decisions this week of whether you're going to step out in faith and obedience to God. You were called by God to be obedient. Sunday school, we talked about obedience. God commands us. You're going to be asked to do something for God this week. 
Make a stand for God this week. Where are you going to fall in on that? Are you going to buck the crowd? I had a bunch of people, they wanted me to judge this big horse show. Big, big one, Oklahoma's, one of Oklahoma's biggest horse shows. $5,000 riding on the, on the uh, first place in the halter classes, not in the performance classes. And so they says, well, we're going to have this big show. We got you contracted now. We want to go Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. I says, no, no. It's supposed to be ranch horse organization. You're supposed to be farm-oriented. And here you're having a show, horse show, starting at 8 o'clock on Sunday morning. Boy, did I buck the crowd there. I says, if you want me to judge it, and I really didn't care because I had to answer this little gal and the Holy Spirit and God uh, why I was going to go to work on Sunday after I'd been preaching about not going to work on Sunday. I mean, I was caught in a rock between a rock. I says, why don't you go Thursday, Friday, Saturday? Let everybody go home on Sunday. Let them go back to their own church on Sunday. You know, I used to do cowboy churches and all that stuff. That wasn't enough because people need more than that. You need more than a little weekend out on the, off the farm. You need to be with Jesus Christ. You need to hear him talk to you. You need to hear him call you. You need to make those steps of faith that he's asking you to do. That don't happen too many other places besides right here in these walls. So, they moved the show. They moved the show. I couldn't believe it. Made me even more emboldened to serve God no matter what the cost. So, I don't know where you stand today. Let's all stand. And speaking about standing, let's try that. And uh, I don't know where your problem is today. What God's talking to you about. I don't know where he's at in your life. I don't know what situations you're feeling, where you're going. But right now would be a good time to tell the Lord what you hope to do, what you, what, ask him what he wants you to do, ask him to empower you to do what he wants you to do, as we talked about again in Sunday school class. God doesn't ask you to do anything that you can't, that he won't help you to do. That True faith, wasn't it D.L. Moody, was it, who said it? True faith is trying to accomplish something you know you can't do in your own self, that God has to intervene and help you. I don't know what he wants you to do. Start your own business. I don't know. We've got people here, entrepreneurs. We've got God loves people that do their own business because then he doesn't, have to, he doesn't have to bless everybody up the chain. He can work right with you. But not everybody's called to do that. What is God calling you to do? What does God want you to do? Where does God want you to be this afternoon? Where does God want you to be Monday morning? Ask him, and he'll give you direction. And then whatever the crowd says, do what Christ says. That's the big point here. He was impressed with his faith, he says there in the last part of that section of Scripture. Your faith, your faith. If you had faith as a grain of mustard seed, you could move mountains. We know the story. You've heard some of them. Here we had a reminder this week that we're to travel by faith. Mrs. Anania, you want to play? Thank you, Lord, for the privilege to look into your word this morning. Help each one of us 
to overcome obstacles in our lives that hinder us from walking by faith. Help us to heed you, listen to you, and be obedient to you. In your precious name we pray. Amen.